want to take a moment to extend our thanks to our amazing Patreon supporters, Jessica Fox, Melissa Elliott, and James Dozier. You keep this show chugging along. And um, for all of you out there, if there's anything you don't like about the show, you can blame it on those people for contributing to us and, and keeping this show going. If you don't like us, it's it's really all their fault. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Two Girls, One Podcast, your weekly authority on all things future. According to a recent Pew Research survey, 84% of the predictions made on this very program have already come true. Like that time Allie said she would probably tell another story about Burning Man, and then she did. And now here are two cyborgs from the future who traveled through time to warn humanity about their technological hubris. I need hosts, Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. Allie and I are performers. We've used the internet as our script live on stage for many years in our show blogologs. We then made a web series called Two Girls, One Show, where we interview people behind internet posts and communities, and eventually made our way here to this very podcast, where we interview folks behind internet communities and phenomena that we find super interesting. So welcome. That wouldn't be weird at all. Oh, but it is That's weird, listeners. Not great placement of that clip, Matthew. <laughs> no. I demand better placement. Let me do let me let me quickly mansplain that <sighs> when that comedy oh, no. is all about the unexpected. Oh no. Okay. I don't know if you guys are familiar with comedy okay. or like jokes. A joke and a punchline. Okay. Yeah. We've heard yes. it all. <laughs> yeah. 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 You do the setup, then the punchline, yeah. and if the punchline is unexpected, mm. extra funny. Joke explaining. Okay. Well, you guys let us know. It was Matt's placement of that clip any good? Go to our Discord.gg slash one b Guys, I feel great today. I can tell your voice sounds so vibrant. Yeah, if you've been tuning in lately, I haven't been feeling great. So why are you so great? Well, I hate to say it, but I took some Ambien, <laughs> which I do not endorse. Brought to you by Ambien. But <laughs> no, but I took the Ambien just because I was like, I'm losing my mind and I slept and it is crazy how good I feel when I've, like, when I've slept, I'm like, I can do anything. <laughs> So I'm on the drugs. Was that baby's first Ambien? <laughs> <laughs> also, did you hallucinate? Uh, I hear that happens. No. Okay. I have very well, just, vivid dreams that I can no longer remember, but I do feel that you guys were in them and that there was oh. something going on with Joe Jizzing, actually. I really do. <laughs> what? There was something where like we were like inside the Trader Joe's podcast. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> inside <laughs> <But> Trader Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we were like really inside and I was like, why am I getting Joe Jizz in my dreams? Like I knew I was dreaming. <laughs> Anyway, it was weird. But I'm also really excited about tonight's topic because I've said for a while about the robot revolution. If you can't beat them, join them. And that's what (laughs) this episode is about. Yeah. So today we're speaking with the executive director of Humanity Plus. It's an organization that advocates for the science and technology that can extend our lives and overall improve the quality of our lives as well. I can't wait to Benjamin Button and or just be a robot you cannot wait to be are you is this series you cannot wait to be a robot like what is there not to wait about (laughs) why would you be excited about that (laughs) you know just like because i don't want to age aha and then you just get input into a body that can keep doing things because i want to keep doing things maybe i could be input into a body that can sleep at night sounds fucking fantastic (laughs) and then you wouldn't need ambien you just need a robot body that seems 
much easier. I need a hot robot body. <laughs> Here's the thing. I love this stuff. I, th- I think about it a lot. We talk about it on this show a lot. My prediction for the future is that robots, while cool and advancing very quickly, are not going to advance as fast as the simulation of human consciousness, meaning we will be able to be immortal and upload our brains to a super conscious, a super internet before we get like robot bodies. Like the idea of having a body will be so silly in 500 years because you can go anywhere, do anything and live inside a virtual space 100% of the time. I am on board. All the old people go live in VR. I think it's a great idea. Cool. I'm in. Guys, just what? I know. Jen's going to be in a cabin in the woods aging, and you're going to be all (laughs) alone, and no one's going to be able to help you when you fall down. Aging like a loser. (laughs) Loser. Have fun being dead, loser. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well... (laughs) Just like, you know, uh, do you believe that these simulations will get so real that we'll be able to like fully experience the five senses, maybe like even more senses? Yeah. So it actually will be better than reality. When people say like, oh, do you think it could be as real? It's just like, can you can you look at the chemical process that's going on in a neuron that says this smells like an onion? And if you can identify that and replicate it digitally, which we, I'm confident we will be able to do, then yes, you will smell onions in the virtual future and it will smell exactly precisely like an onion. Everything we perceive is just neurons firing and, and we can replicate that. Right. We will be able to do it one day. Technological heaven smells like onions. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what I, the, the concern here in the background is like, if you are a human who could do anything you want with zero effort, no work, no whatever, like, Will we be happy? Yes. Will there be any point to our existence? That's the counter argument here. Right, right. And that's... What's the point? What, so what do you think the point of life is? <laughs> I'm just jumping well, right in. the meaning in. of life. What is <laughs> the question. meaning of life, friends? Listeners, tweet at us. Uh, <laughs> the meaning of life. At Allie Gold, A-L-I-G-O-L-D. Let me know. I've been wondering. Uh, well, maybe we'll get to that with our guests today. Uh, yeah. I personally find a lot of meaning in trivia. I Whoa. find no meaning in trivia. Are you trying to uh, facilitate trivia? Are you trying to like make? I trivia was trying happen? to make a transition. Yeah. It was good. Thanks. It was good. Thanks. This th- let it let the record show. This is the first time anyone's ever requested trivia to happen. No, oh, I think Jen's requested it before because I've actually been like secretly really bitter about it. <laughs> Every time she requests trivia, I have a little. Um, <laughs> I have a tally on my wall. Mm, mm. <laughs> just Every time like it reaches another set of five, yeah, I just with a knife and do that little diagonal yeah. line. Yeah, so Jen's well, been I have, I have fantastic news for Allie, bad news for Jen. I don't have trivia for you today. What? Oh God, I slept at night. I don't have trivia. Why don't you have trivia? Uh, I'm unprepared. Uh, the week has been very busy. And, you uh, asshole. I, All right, I we're going to give you just, a trivia. Whoa. I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay, Jen, let's quiz him on ourselves. <laughs> oh, that's a good right, idea. All right, all okay. Right. Uh, a story from a previous episode. See if I was paying attention. Now, okay. now listen, what I have an advantage. Wait, call, I have an advantage over you. I have a huge advantage over you. I know, because you, you listen cat- to the edits. I listen to everything twice, mm-hmm. sometimes three times. Yeah, I don't I remember anything every immediately thing after I ever say said. it. What was Jen's screen name? <gasps> Good question. What was it? All right. All right. Here's the thing. Yeah. I'm going to be struggling to remember Jen's name, but I do remember the screen name of her internet boyfriend. (laughs) And of course, it was Monkey Poop. All right. All right. Probably with some numbers. Pretty good. Okay. 
That's All correct, right, no, Monkey Poo. Jen's Jen's screen name was. Uh, Do you want a clue? The, 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 no, no, it's the the the, the singer of Blind oh, Balance. Oh, got it! Oh my god! But, it, uh, but I don't remember the name of that person. Yeah. Uh, but it might have been their last name. Like, yeah. Is it with an S, like for, Shore for, or Shine? Oh my God, Matt, you're really working this thing. I'm like close. strangely touched. Is that weird? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is like the most romantic thing that's ever happened to me, and I'm only adjacent to it. <laughs> you're touching yourself? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't know. It's a podcast. I There's could been be. a lot of discussion of, of pulling up pants during the podcast. <laughs> I lately. could be. Uh, it was June uh, 1967. Yeah, you were so close. Yes. All right. Wow. Well, that all right, all right. was good. All right, a couple more questions. So what did Allie wait in line for with a friend at Burning Man, but had to leave because it was it were too many people in the line? Decorating. Oh, good memory. Yeah, that one's obvious. Like, what would I wait in line for? Decorating. You know what I mean? Obvious. <laughs> you don't even need to know what happened. Cotton candy? <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend ask me, were you asked to stop talking about Burning Man so much on the podcast? <laughs> I was like, no, it just, I don't know. I just stopped. It was a while just, ago. It I don't just know. ran its course. Yeah, I exactly. still miss it. I can't believe I have to wait six more months to go. Hey, man, that's a lot of podcast episodes coming Check up. out Ali's Burning uh, Man podcast side project. Um, you can give us the link <laughs> in the show notes. I would be so into that. <laughs> Well, Matt, how about a good old-fashioned spelling bee, since you know so much about us? Um, let's just ooh, jump in. Anti- How do you spell ooh. Jen's last name? <laughs> no. Antediluvian. Go. <laughs> <laughs> go, Matt. Go. A-N-A-N-T-I-D-E-L-U-V-I-A-N. You know wow, what? great radio, guys. Great you know radio. <laughs> you mixed Listen, up the E right. and the I. All right. Our listeners, Close. All right, all right. they tune in for internet subcultures and tech shit, and we're giving them spelling bee right now. It's time to go back to talking about fetishes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe I have tell, said this on the show, but I, I, like I've known you guys for years. I've known Jen for years and worked with her for years and always thought your last name was pronounced Jamula or Jamulia or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what, then someone said it out loud on a video shoot, and I was like, what? Your mind was blown. <laughs> yeah. Don't I worry, blown, Matt yeah. Silverman. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to all of us. <laughs> but her last name is so much better than Jamula because it's Jamula, which is why she's the jam. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. You got that right. All right. Well, I think that takes care of that segment. Um, <laughs> 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 so now what, Matt? Do you got a plan today? <laughs> Uh, there's no plan. I think one of you should throw to our commercial break since I have clearly failed in the transition. <laughs> and now it's time for a commercial break. And now a real help wanted advertisement entitled Seeking Small Sri Lankan Man to Live a Lie Briefly from the website that turns jobs into careers and then back into jobs. Craigslist. <laughs> I'm trying to get my best friend to move to LA, but he's currently stuck in a relationship that definitely isn't dumb at all. For this gig, you will take on his identity and fulfill all current boyfriend duties. You will continue to do so until his girlfriend gets sick of you and dumps you, but you should ideally break up on amicable terms. I don't have a recent photo of him, so I just included a drawing I made of him for reference. Requirements. Live the life of an adorable, portly Sri Lankan man. Eat only with your hands. Possess a medical degree. You will be acting as an interventional radiologist at Johns Hopkins with a small team under you. 
eat too much every day. Constantly be hungry, but only have the belly space to fit three gummy bears, two chicken nuggets, and a samosa at any given time. Be small enough to sleep in a chest of drawers lined with newspapers. Have an encyclopedic knowledge of useless rap lyrics that can be recited in any given time regardless of appropriateness. Be mediocre at sex stuff. Perks, salary, $450,000 assuming you can act as a convincing doctor. Applicants must submit a headshot and reason for why they think they'd be a good fit for this gig. He really doesn't like that dude's girlfriend. No, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, but that guy must be out there. So, you know, tweet at us. Have you ever gone to that kind of length to break someone up? Uh, no, never. Have you? I mean, I thought of doing that for you when you were dating that chill douchebag. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, how do I infiltrate here <laughs> all right all right and so you dyed your hair brown and put on platform shoes yeah and pretended to be jen and then i to told sabotage. him to fuck off yeah <laughs> can you just try to lower your voice a little bit for that fuck off yeah totally. Let's yeah fuck get it low. off yeah yeah that's totally like me off. okay cool um <laughs> fuck off <laughs> well it's time to get into our interview uh today is going to be wild we are speaking with Dr. Natasha Vita Moore, who is the executive director of Humanity Plus. Um, Humanity Plus is, as we said, a transhumanist organization that is looking at radical life extension. Welcome, Natasha. Thank you for inviting me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. We're delighted to have you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with a big question. Can you just give our listeners a little bit of background on transhumanism and Humanity Plus? Certainly. I would be delighted to. So the trans aspect of humanism means transformation. So as humans, we're still evolving. So we do not know what we'll become, but we are working towards steering our own evolution, as we always have. Uh, some of us still have Neanderthal genes, which is kind of fascinating to think about. There are some people that I think have Neanderthal genes. <laughs> okay, so basically this is the next stage of evolution. Is that right? You can see it that way. as a transformative process, meaning that we are adapting to technology at a, a far more rapid pace than ever before. So the transhumanist perspective is basically a worldview. It's also a practice, and the practice is to stay alive, to stay healthy, to um, promote goodness in the world, basically. So there is a fundamental ethical um, concern within the scope of transhumanism. It's for evidence-based science and um, ethical use of technology. Now, you asked me about the organization Humanity Plus, Humanity Plus is the world's largest transhumanist organization, and we function as a, an educational nonprofit with the purpose of helping to educate the public about how these socio- socioeconomic political changes are going to affect our lives. When living longer and living healthier, there's going to be a major shift. So if you were to break it down for the lay humans, uh, what do you think are the primary ways that technology will help us live longer and healthier? first through eating well and finding out what is in the food that we eat. In other words, processed foods are not good for us. A paleo diet is good for us. So we know that now. This is where the the rubber hits the road. With technology such as artificial intelligence, nanomedicine, genetic engineering, 
and other types of processes will be able to mitigate disease and death is is bottom line a disease. So how are we going to slow down that disease, extend the human lifespan and reverse aging? We've already seen this a bit. We've seen um, a number of different diseases being overcome through uh, biotechnology and the the consequences of those diseases reversed. We're seeing advances in robotics, especially in the area of artificial intelligence, robotics, and haptic systems, where someone with an artificial arm or leg can actually feel, um, have sensation because it's linked up haptically through the neurological system. So that is really exciting. One um, thing that your audience might might want to learn about if they already don't know about it is having their genes uh, sequenced to find out if you have a propensity for certain types of diseases like ALS or multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, other types of diseases. Another thing is CRISPR. Um, genes that have gone awry and caused disease can be cut out. The um, looking at how nanomedicine, um, small computers can go into the body and do repair work on damaged cells and membranes. Uh, vaccinations were one of the first attempts at uh, molecularly um, working within the body, putting a virus in the body, a small bit of it, so the body could build up a defense against that that particular virus, and then. Um, you don't get the the flu, for example, or measles or mumps. Vaccinations are really a primary biotechnology that we've used. And if Jenny McCarthy is in the audience... Shut the fuck up about vaccinations! <laughs> so I feel like you've spoken about some developments that actually seem kind of underway already. What are some of the larger goals of this movement? Like with AI, and we were talking before you joined us about like, are we going to upload our consciousness into VR and live forever there? What are some of the things that are more theoretical right now? All right. Theoretical right now is artificial general intelligence or super intelligence. Today, we have narrow AI in just about every single device that we use, every microchip all around us. Narrow AI is in our refrigerator, in our cars, in our cell phones. The uh, theoretical uh, future of narrow AI is uh, super AI or artificial general intelligence where it will have sapience and sentience. In other words, it'll be able to think and be creative and So you're talking about Alexa versus Westworld. Yeah. So Alexa would be narrow AI Westworld. You know, I watched it's kind of a dystopian view of that future because it's yeah. kind of ruled by one one person. So that's not the future I envision. I envision a future where people become more humane and we merge with AI. So you mentioned uploading. To upload basically means to move or transfer one's neural network or brain functionality onto or within a computational system into zeros and O's. And we need to back up our brains anyway, because memory is deeply associated with our personal identity. If you don't have your memory, I mean, so backing up our memory is really important to the transhumanist agenda. So the bottom line is the future will be diverse. There'll be many options. It's not going to be, you can only be in a biological body in the material world or a uploaded uh, um, series of algorithms in a computational world. We'll be able to transverse the uh, multiple environments, just like you know, traveling on vacations, going to the Himalayas or going to Hawaii or going you know, to Italy or you know, exploring 
uh, these environments. We'd love to keep talking about the future, but I'd also like to talk about the past really quickly. Um, can you tell us a bit about your journey to transhumanism and Humanity Plus? And we had read somewhere that you're the designer of the first whole body prosthetic. So we'd love to hear a little bit about that as well. Okie dokie. Yes, I am. I designed the first whole body prosthetic as both a design and um it hasn't been built yet. Let me just put it that way, because we're, uh, robotics and prosthetics and AI and um, that entire field hasn't hasn't advanced to that point. But my journey didn't start there. My journey began as an artist many years ago before I became an academic. And I always envisioned something different than the way life is today. And then this is not unique, and I don't mean to claim it is at all. Most artists are continually envisioning a, a different future for ourselves. But I was in Japan performing and um, I got sick. I got very, very ill and I didn't know I was ill. And when I survived that, I realized that the human body is so vulnerable that anything can happen at any time. So I rebranded myself. I turned to design and technology. I kind of left the art world behind because I felt that my self-indulgence in my own performance art left me in a place of stupidity, basically. I wasn't thinking clearly. So I just started studying technology, you know, hands down, just went to every conference I could in LA, Silicon Valley, New York, Europe, anywhere to see what was going on in the future. Then I um, met a futurist And he talked about the transhuman. He had been writing about it since the 1970s. And the the concept of transhumanism was coined by Alighieri Dante, Italian, and used by T.S. Eliot in the cocktail party. And um, Huxley used transhumanism as an evolutionary biology. So it has a background in poetry, in the arts, and it just makes sense. My own journey with it, however, was survival. And looking at how I could come up with a design for a body that wasn't as vulnerable as mine was. And the science and technology wasn't there. So I created a TV show in Los Angeles called Transcentury Update. And um, to increase my own level of, let's say, my own IQ, I invited a lot of smart people (laughs) and asked them a lot of questions. And I studied and I learned. And um, it hit me that if there was a future body that we could have that was semi-biological or non-biological, and we could upload or or transfer our our brain or memories into it, that would be a pretty good option for a lot of people, especially people that have incredible diseases like ALS or any of the degenerative diseases. And it was more out of a compassion for disease that caused me to become involved in transhumanism. And that's that's the story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> well, Man, you want to extend life, but I feel like you've already lived nine lives. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very inspiring story. <laughs> so what's some of the opposition that this movement is facing? We're facing less opposition today than we did in the 1990s. I remember in the 1990s, I got a lot of press. But the criticism I got was, you hate your body, you're selfish, you're an elitist, you're a have, you're, you know, what about the the rest of us who have not? What about, you know, all the other people? Why are you so important that you should live longer? And I go, hey, lay off. Listen, I just love life. And I think that aging happens too quickly. And um, so there was a lot of opposition in the 1990s. 
um, from people that were uh, the postmodernist academics primarily, who were so ill-informed about the transhumanist agenda and transhumanist uh, philosophy. Uh, and uh, frankly, they were a little bit more concerned about their jobs. You know, they're pretty much tenured back then. And if postmodernism was philosophically and in the social sciences, the, you know, the field. So to have that challenged unraveled a lot of different postmodernists. They all were incredibly bright academics, but they were following the Foucault, you know, Lacan, Bourriard, you know, those French postmodernists um, who did bring great ideas but they didn't understand technology. So the criticism from the academic was, you people don't know anything about technology. You're creating some science fiction future that'll never happen. However, we could, we could not take that seriously. We just, you know, it was just, poof, you know, just the learn. But what was hurtful was um, the bioethicists. President George W. Bush put together a bioethics committee in which um, you had Leon Cass and Francis Fukuyama on it and uh, William Holbert. And these were very well-known um, scholars. And they said that transhumanism is the world's most dangerous idea and said that to tamper with human biology, especially genetics, is to play God and tamper with human dignity. And I was in a debate um, for a Stanford University students film um, with one of the bioethicists from this committee. And um, I said to him, well, excuse me, in my world, it is immoral and unethical to allow people to be diseased and children to die, knowing that we could remove that gene or um, eliminate that disease. And it's, so it's, it's driven largely the bioethicists by a very rigid, biased, um, say, religious stance playing God. I never even considered playing God. You know, to, to me, it's common sense. I mean, I'd like to play God. Oh, well, What's I'd like to you too, too. <laughs> Thank a, you. A, a richer, funnier, more in, in enthralling world if you did. So please go ahead. I don't know about richer. You meant that theoretically. Got it. Well, that's okay. what I was going to ask. Right. Did you make me richer? I'm kind of poor. <laughs> um, I'm curious, what is the Transhumanist Declaration? The Transhumanist Declaration we wrote in the early 1990s, and it was a declaration setting up uh, um, some tenets or some principles of what the philosophy represented. And um it's a declaration for human rights, for diversity, for life extension, for morphological freedom, meaning the right to enhance your body and the right never to be coerced to enhance. The right to seek technological improvement and advancement. Pretty much that in a nutshell. So going back to some of the obstacles um, with religion and stuff, like I know in China pretty recently, there was that guy who tried to edit some twins and then there was oh, an uproar boy. about that. How do you think we're going to move past that? Some years ago. Well, no, actually a few minutes ago, probably about 18 minutes ago, we mentioned Jenny McCarthy, who, and I don't mean to, to give her a spotlight here. Um, she's a lovely person, I'm sure. Um, but she read some bad science that said that vaccines um, were, were correlated to um, autism. There's a corollary 
relationship. And that was disproven. Bad science can influence the public in adverse ways. So we need to be very careful that the scientific research being done is authentic and challenged. So the gentleman in China uh, did a very bad thing. First off, he hid his research. It was not peer reviewed or blind reviewed. Uh, he promoted it without viable evidence of, of it not causing any harm. And it was a, a large embarrassment for his affiliation. Uh, he was dogged about it and uh, misleading about it. So that is not only bad science, that's bad human, very bad human. So you think by just being more transparent about the research, people will eventually come around? Definitely, definitely. In fact, what's interesting from a financial point of view, life extension, the field of life extension or the industry, let's call it, of life extension is going to be one of the largest financial um, and profitable businesses to be in in the coming decades. I don't think anyone's going to be opposed to it when, when it when it comes down to proper phrasing, branding of it. Everyone wants to, to live a good life. Um, unless you're a psychopath. But let's just say the majority of people who are not psychopaths want to live good lives and share and enjoy life and keep on learning and growing. Who would, who would say no to that? Yeah, no, I'm in. Yeah, yeah Me I, too. I <laughs> okay, here's a fear. Overpopulation. There's going to be too many people will be like sardines on the planet. Well, the truth of the matter is population is on the decline. In countries like Japan, they are having a, a sharp decline in population. So it, it can be a serious issue. And maybe this is trending. Well, also, if we're putting our brains in a VR, then we're not really taking up space in the world anyway. Yeah. If you want to live in VR, though, I'd like to live part time in VR, but I, I kind of like that. I like the bio world. Yeah. Real life is cool, too. I'm into I love it. the bio world. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the community of transhumanists like? It's a, it's a very heady community and it's fun. People like to party, um, like to debate, uh, like to learn. I, it's, I love the community because I feel like I'm always learning. We challenge each other and there's, there is no complacency. There's no dogma because there can't be because people who are of that mindset of wanting to continually improve and are questioning the world around them and trying to find solutions, they're like entrepreneurs and their contributions to creating um, a, a future where um, things will hopefully be a little bit better than they are today. So the community is rich in, in intelligence, uh, very smart people. Um, high-level academics, high-level technologists, high-level um, scientists, philosophers, artists. Yeah, it's it's a it's a rich community, um, and it it likes to have fun. You know, parties are fun. Are there transhumanist dating apps? <laughs> no, but that yeah, that's a good idea. I'm yeah, because you to... don't want to date someone who's just going to live a normal human life, and then you live another hundred <laughs> years. Yeah, I don't want someone with an average human IQ. Yeah, average human body. Blech. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, yeah. It was, it, what's interesting is that transhumanists meet each other at conferences. And it's like, I remember when I lived in Los Angeles and even in Telluride, I would I would meet, um, you know, potential dates or lovers, partners at bars or at film festivals. And um it was a very creative crowd, but always felt a little bit out of place. Um, like, 
they just weren't asking the right questions. Remember, I, I dated uh, a film director named Volker Schlorndorf, who made The Tin Drum in the 1980s. And I met him at the Telluride Film Festival. And what's interesting is um, we were out to dinner with Bertolucci and Louis Malle. And, <laughs> um, and I'm having a conversation with Bertolucci about the future and technology. And um, I think I embarrassed um, Volker. Um, and he said, why are you so interested in technology? Why don't you just dance? Why, why you know, make a film? Why are you? I said, because it's the future. And I want to be on the cusp. I want to be on the cutting edge because that's where the excitement is. And um, so I haven't seen him in years and years. And I hope he's doing well. But I, I, I mean, it'd be interesting to, uh, to ask him, well, um, do you think I was right? <laughs> the film the film industries were more interested in the dystopian future you know like star wars and invaders and and um terminator and all that stuff that to me the technology was interesting in that in that art field or domain but the storyline just sucked and there are very few storylines that are great i i think that um i was watching um Limitless the other night while cooking a paleo dinner with my husband, and I love the plot of Limitless. I didn't like him, you know, getting all drugged out, but once his brain evolved to the next stage, wow, I love that. Yeah, well, the problem is, like, most Hollywood movies, like, they'd rather see a bunch of people explode and die than, like, a happy ending. So then we get Terminator. Yeah. I know. That's too bad. I was also wondering what you... thought of things like Elon Musk's Neuralink. Okay, good. Good question. Now, here, there's a dichotomy going on. In I think Elon there's more than Musk's a dichotomy going brain. on there. Yeah, there's something going on in his brain. He's, he's quite bright, but he, he seems to trip up a bit. He wrote that open letter with Bill Gates and the late Stephen Hawking, uh, open letter on uh, that we should be very careful about artificial intelligence and uh, existential risk. And um, I had my students, I teach ethics at a university, and I had my students read that open letter and then write their reports on what they found wrong with it, if anything. And, and the, these students were sharp. They picked up on every single thing. It's a theoretical um, mishmash of stuff that offers no solution and no trajectory. Um, so basically, it was it was um, a marketing promo for themselves to become machine ethicists. So Elon Musk is afraid of AI because of the singularity or because of supercomputers outsmarting humans. Yet he also engages technology. So I don't know where he stands. I think his his work is important, and I think that once he gets over feeling the need to be a machine ethicist, that he'll do well. Um, We do need machine ethicists, to be sure, but we need it in universities where the students are studying the programming for AI. We don't need a council of of wealthy, I was going to say white men, but just say wealthy people looking down at everyone and telling us we're going to destroy ourselves. Well, for Neuralink, he's talking about putting chips in people's brains, I think. Yeah, he is, but that's all he part of the... He wants to merge the, the brain with AI. Yeah, it's... It, so the, the, the chips are AI, mm-hmm. and they're narrow AI, but they would perform in ways that could be invasive. So then there, is, there, there, there could be a moral issue there with that. See what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder, did he 
write this open letter with with uh, Bill Gates and the late Stephen Hawking to get his name out there as someone who is a machine ethicist to put him on the right side of the of the political uh, stage so that with Neuralink, he would not be criticized for um, invasive manipulation of brain chemistry or brain functionality. So what, is the transhumanist movement not down with microchips in the brain? Uh, no problem at all. No okay. problem at all. <laughs> Okay, I didn't know where that stood as like as a potential development okay. or yeah. Okay, so here here's the here's the qualifier. Okay, you could say are transhumanists down with piercing, and I'd say, well, does it add to life extension or quality of life? If you said no, I go, well, it's not, it's what's the point? If you said are transhumanists down with tattoos, I would say, well, do the tattoos send us a signal? Do the tattoos warn us of maybe? Uh, skin cancer or some, you know, something going on in our bodies that we need to pay attention to, some ill health. Does the um, augmentation or enhancement bring about more consciousness or more humaneness? So if a chip in the brain is going to make us smarter, more humane, wiser, and uh, more empathic and more aware of our circumstances, perfect, great, I love it. If a chip in the brain is to manipulate the brain um, by a company to find out what you like to buy or where you're going to shop, I'd say no, not so good. Oh man, that probably is the next frontier. Amazon <laughs> yeah. in the brain. Amazon in the brain. Yeah. What, yeah. What are you thinking? Oh, we'll, we'll deliver it right away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of weird shit showing up at my door. That's true. Oh God. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> all right. Well, I could talk about this all day. I feel the same way. Um, but, you know, we should probably let you go. So thank you very much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Oh, you're very welcome. I and, look forward uh, to interviewing you in 100 years when we're all living forever. Well, I'm not going to live forever. Why not? I'm, I'm going to see your consciousness foreverist. in a VR simulation. No, I, I, I think that, that death as an option is perfectly fine. I think that we may redefine death and there'll be all sorts of death. Uh, maybe you have biological death or computational death and you um, are reborn or restructured or reanimated in a different form. So um, forever to me is is not something I like. I don't like the word immortality because it makes me feel claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. I think that life and death is a choice. And if you want to die, you know, I'll put flowers on your grave or, you know, toss your ashes wherever you want. That's your choice. So the idea of, of immortality or living forever is not transhumanist. The transhumanist scope is to live as long as possible, as healthy as possible. Got it. Got it. So I misunderstood the whole interview. No, that was really no, interesting. No. <laughs> Blew my mind with the new forms of death. <laughs> yeah, and death well, seems yeah. like a good place to end it. <laughs> okay. Oh, you, you guys are great. Thank you so much. That was Thank super you. educational. I've got a ton of things to go research now. All right. Well, you do that. I'll see you on the transhumanist dating app as soon as you create it. <laughs> Excellent. Can't wait. Okay. <laughs> Can we be her when we grow up? <laughs> She's so cool. <laughs> Define grow up. Oh, I guess we're there. I I, I guess I, was, I missed the I was boat. thinking like technologically, like if we're living longer and healthier, like maybe we're, I don't know when the grown yeah, up maybe. is. Maybe. I was so interested in that final point she made about immortality seeming claustrophobic. I know. I was like, wait, and, what? And death being a choice. And that really 
that got me. I'm, I mean, I'm on, I'm on board for death being a choice. <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, like if everyone's living forever and switching back and forth between VR and real bodies and blah, 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 like eventually some people will not want to live anymore and or need to choose to die. That was dark. Yeah. And just think yeah. about how we're going to have to retrain, like just our, the way we perceive death <laughs> when it becomes something that we can actually, yeah. Like choose when it, ha- yeah. The, well, the also, empowerment. Of that. Yeah. But also re just totally throw out our current version of identity, like truly like how we perceive the you and the I and the me, because the minute you can upload your consciousness to a computer, you can make it, you can live simultaneously in infinite realities and you can make duplicates of yourself. And I've never thought about re-downloading back into biological form, but like that's a copy. It doesn't delete. So now you're talking about multiple identities. But now you're talking about whether your consciousness can be duplicated and but I don't would. know if that's you, part of it. The, well, it would have to be because the minute you can simulate it, you can duplicate it. It's just data. You know what I mean? So yeah, this idea true. of you don't have to die, but you could reform yourself or live in multiple places. Like it's just, you have to throw out every, see, here's, here's the thing. I am excited about this stuff. I'm optimistic about this stuff, but the road to getting there means we have to throw out everything about identity, everything about governments, everything about power, like the road to getting to this place is so fucked up and messed up because we, it just, it. Think about how messed up our society is today, just trying to figure out like what's going on with social media and iPhones. Now you have now we're downloading and uploading ourselves into into different realities. Like Well, it's interesting because it, social media, I feel like we're in the caveman days. You know what I mean? And sure, that's, sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's just We're in the ca- we're in the beginning of social media and it's already like totally has trashed our democracy, like in the caveman times, like let alone where we're headed. You know, so that's the that's the, I don't want to be dystopian about it, but like we have a lot of shit to figure out in our society before we're going to get to a good transhumanist future, I guess is where I'm, where my head is For at. For sure. I think our discord chat room though is going to be thrilled to learn they can start living inside video games. Yes. <laughs> uh, Matt, you're normally such an optimist. You, you, you know what the other factor is? He's and, been and cracked. I, I, I'm, oh, it's bad times. No, I'm, I'm. Like I said, I'm excited about the future, but but we're working stuff out. And here's the other thing, and Natasha alluded to it, all of the technology we use that makes our lives better and cooler is made by like five different corporations. Right. So the problem is, if you're going to put a microchip in your brain, are you going to put the Amazon chip or the Facebook chip? We don't have the, for whatever reason, we don't, our society doesn't have the resources and our governments don't have the resources to make like civic chips or like municipal phones where everyone kind of like participates and owns it and it's not controlled by a corporation. So you're talking blockchain. Yeah, yeah. We need a blockchain version of this technology that everyone can share and you don't don't really want it to be a government issued microchip and you don't want it to be a corporate microchip. So how do we make technology that is It is going to be government issued though, right? Like in China, how they have their like uh, social score and stuff. I mean, it's going to be... Somewhat dystopian. I'm just thinking about how long it took me to get Obamacare, how much I cried on the phone. Like, I did something with the government recently. (laughs) We're going to be mailing in like paper certificates to get our government chips. Yeah. Governments Uh, are so slow and they're so bad at technology. So you don't want them running it. Pessimistic. So so it's like a rock and a hard place. And this is, she mentioned Huxley, which I'm a a big fan of Aldous Huxley. And and I'm, I'm very fascinated with this idea of 
Orwell wrote 1984, the government is going to have all the technology and take over and control your life. And Huxley said, no, corporations are going to control it and they're just going to give you drugs and and distractions so you don't see what's really going on. We're living in Huxley's very vision of the future right now and we're rapidly heading toward a corporate dystopia. Uh, I don't think Orwell was right. I think Huxley was right. How are we going to oh, yeah. fix there's that? A, there, apparently there's a bunch of like dystopian novels that came out, came out around the same time as 1984 and everyone glommed onto 1984, but apparently there right. are several others that are way more accurate. There's one that also says like, there won't be a big brother. It'll be us willingly giving away all our information. Yes, and exactly. That yeah, is that is Huxley's, uh, I think, I mean, and others, but Huxley was certainly the, the poster ah, okay, child okay. there. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, that's, fact I check agree. Me. I haven't said that in a while, but definitely fact check. No, no, no. But uh, you're, it's, uh, ugh, I, I, we got to fix that before we can get to this great, great thing that is developing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to well, call all- we won't all- be around to see it. I'm calling all AI now narrow AI because I would feel so freaking cool to be like, oh, it's just narrow I AI. Don't worry about uh, it, guys. Alexa, you're narrow as fuck. <laughs> like narrow is like the new... The new basic. New the new insult, yeah, new basic, yeah. yeah. I yeah. love that. You're so narrow. <laughs> all right, guys. It's time for us to head on out of here and microchip our brains. Let us know why you're narrow or broad. I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to see in terms of technology extending human life? Let us know. You can tweet me at Allie Gold. Or me at June Bugger. You can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can also call us, talk about old school technologies. On the that telephone. Number, on the telephone. And if you want to do that, that number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And you can also join our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P. Listeners of the show are there suggesting topics, uh, suggesting questions for the show, and just having really fun conversations. So come join us there. Finally, if you would like to contribute to this podcast, Allie, where do they go? You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P and we hope that you will. All right. We'll see you in about 100 years of the simulation. Um, It's been real. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula and in by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Sophie Bridges. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This very program is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. Fuck off.